All right. You ready? Yep. Three, two, one. Happy. Happy. <laughs> okay, let's start it again. Wow, we're just awkward as shit. Just yell it out. This time I don't even care if it's right. We're like, we're just like happy. Keep it out in front of you. Yeah, I was waiting for you to say it. You paused, so I paused. Okay. I'm no pause. Right sad. after. Okay, I'm just trying to be in sync with you. And you're like, you pause. I was like, uh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so keeping this in the episode. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Three, two, one. Happy, Happy Women's History Month. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> Barely. <laughs> okay. So, do you know how was Women's History Month began? Uh, not exactly, and I should, cause I'm a woman. And no, <laughs> that's okay. I didn't know until I looked it up this morning. <laughs> I act like I got it all together, but I promise you, I don't. Okay. <laughs> So, <laughs> Women's History Month was initially just a day. It was commemorated on February 28th. It was a meeting of the Socialists and the Suffragettes in Manhattan in 1909. So then it became International Women's Day, which was celebrated on March 8th, 1911. It was mostly celebrated in Austria, Switzerland, Germany, and Denmark. The United States and the United Nations began sponsoring it in 1975. Well, then in March 1980, after celebration had spread across the country, Jimmy Carter declared that March 8th was officially the start of National Women's History Week. By 1987, Congress had declared the entire month of March as Women's History Month. And ever since then, every president since has declared March Women's History Month. I'm, I'm glad they definitely did it. Because um, there's been a lot of, you know, women in history that's really worked their ass off. Yeah. And uh, have never gotten recognized. Like, one of the women that I'm going to talk about tonight is, like, one of those women that literally didn't get recognized till after she died, which is sad. Okay, so have you ever heard of Saint Olga? Briefly. Okay. What do you know about her? Um, so I really don't honestly I really don't know much. I just I remember within these last few weeks of all this going on, I remember looking at an article about her, just mm -hmm. not very in-depth. It was a very short article. So really wasn't when, like much detail i just i just know her name pretty much right that article didn't have a lot of details about it well i'm about to give you like her whole life story <laughs> <laughs> igor of kiev or prince igor as they called him ruled the 10th century he was a powerful monarch he was a wise military leader 
His wife, Olga, was so beautiful, they all walked around town calling her beautiful Olga. They lived in what is today the capital of Ukraine. After Prince Igor's guardian passed away, Prince Oleg, former allies, the Drevlians, stopped paying tribute to them. So Igor went to the Drevlian capital and tried to convince them to start paying tribute to Kiev again. Igor's army was much bigger than the Drevlians, so they agreed to pay him. On his way home, Igor figured out that what they had promised wasn't going to be enough money. So he turned his horse and went back with a very small number of soldiers. When the Drevlians saw Igor coming back, their prince, whose name is Mao, told people, if a wolf come among sheep, he will take away the whole flock one by one unless he is killed. Each of the prince's legs to one of the trees. Then they released the trees and the prince's body was ripped in half. That is insane. At this point, Olga um, had received word her husband had been murdered. And she was put in a position where she had to run the entire country all by herself. Olga became regent to Igor's heir, their three-year-old son. So, in effect, she was the very first woman to rule Russia. Olga was obviously miserable and enraged, and her feelings just continued to boil over time. People started talking about how she was having really weird behavior, and no one ever dared to mention that she should remarry. Because if they did, Olga would have them executed. She pretty much ruled with an iron fist and didn't let anyone meddle in either affairs of the state or the affairs of her personal life. And she was fine without a second husband. The Drevlians, they encouraged her to win over their prince. They proposed that she should marry Igor's murderer, Prince Mao. They stated that her husband had been like a wolf and that they had to get rid of him in order to protect themselves. But she was the opposite and she was wise and fair. So they didn't want to rebel against her. They wanted to have her on their side. So they suggested that Olga marry their prince and make a very strong alliance. Olga then thanked the prince's people for their offering, saying that she was pleased and that her husband couldn't be raised from the dead. But they should go home and return the next day and that she would order her people to carry them inside their vessels as an honor. So they did just as she said. They left and Olga started preparing to welcome her guests the next morning. The following day, Mao's people came in front of Olga's court and they demanded that her people carry them as she had instructed them. And so Olga ordered them to. So the Drevlians thought the people of Kiev were giving them this gigantic honor and they're being praised and like everything's going exactly the way they want it to. Olga had ordered her people to dig a trench along the castle walls the day before and then ordered her people to throw the Drevlians into it. 
and while the Kevians were pouring soil over their heads, Olga stood above them and asked them how they liked the honor they had been given. Uh, I mean, I think it's kind of well-deserved, though, like, you seriously just asked this woman to marry a man that killed her husband that she was deeply in love with and shared a child with, like, yeah. from that, like... <laughs> You know, with just one, that one small move, she removed, like, a huge part of the leadership. Mm-hmm. After they had been buried alive, she wrote a note telling Prince Mal that she would marry him. But first, him to send the most distinguished men he had to Kiev. She wanted to meet their future subjects, wanted them to take her to the wedding with honor. Now... It's not like Prince Mal knew what was actually going on in Kiev. No one told him because none of his men made it back. Sure enough, he sends his most distinguished men. Olga greeted them nicely, and she ordered her people to ready the bathhouse. So she invited them to go down. As they did, they were completely unaware that she had ordered her people to lock the bathhouse and set the doors on fire. So no one could get out. But she wasn't done yet. She said, prepare great quantities of mead, which is, you know, for those who don't know, a medieval alcoholic drink, in the town where you killed my husband. I want to cry on his grave and hold a funeral feast for him. So they did. They gathered a lot of alcohol and they took her to where Igor's grave was with a very small entourage where she stayed with him and she cried. Mm. So everyone around her started drinking and one of them asked her what happened to the two groups of men they had sent before. And she replied that they were on their way <laughs> with her husband's honor guard. And of course, like they're drunk, so they believe them. And they mm-hmm. continue to drink and everything like that. As they got drunk, Olga snuck orders to her men. And her men slaughtered 5,000 drunk Drevlian soldiers at her husband's funeral. As they say, hell hath no fury like a woman scorned. Yeah. So Olga went to Kiev to prepare her army to uh, kill the rest of the Drevlian citizens, and she started a campaign against them who didn't have any leaders. She managed to drive their soldiers back into their towns. Olga led an army to the town where Igor was killed, and she seized the town for a year, but unfortunately wasn't able to defeat them. So then she had an idea. She sent them a message keep persisting and holding out. I've conquered all of your towns. They paid me a tribute. Now they're cultivating their land. They're prospering. They're fine. But you would rather die of hunger without submitting to a tribute. They're like, if you just, you know, if you give me something, I'll let you live. Mm -hmm. And they were like, we're still scared of you, but we'll pay you. You know, we, we just were afraid you still want revenge for your husband's death. And she's like, oh, no, I've had enough. You know, moving on. Just just give me one last small little tribute. I want three pigeons and three sparrows from each house of the city. Hmm. That's six birds per house. <laughs> so they 
obeyed, and they gave her all the birds they could find. She turns them into a weapon of mass destruction. (laughs) She told her soldiers to bind a piece of sulfur with a cloth to each bird's leg. And when night fell, Olga ordered her army to set those pieces on fire and then release the birds. When they released the birds, they flew back to their nests within the town and set the entire city on fire. Wow. Like, don't don't cross her. Some of the residents managed to run out of the town, but Olga's people had caught them, killed them, and some they kept for slaves to be sold later. She ruled until 948, <laughs> um, because then her son was of legal age to take over. She rejected marriage proposals and defended her capital during the siege of Kiev. According to historical interpretation around 950 <laughs> she came to constantinople where she met emperor constantine the seventh he like all men liked her beauty and her intellect and figured you know why not why not ask her to marry me mm-hmm. but she was still pagan and she told him because like he wasn't pagan he was uh orthodox christian got you so he was like, hey, I want to marry you. She said, I'm pagan. You can't marry me unless you baptize me Christian Orthodox like you. And he said, okay, sounds good. So he's thinking, I'm getting Olga and I'm finally getting a hold of Russia. So Olga converted to Christianity where they changed her name to Helena after St. Helena, the mother of Roman Emperor Constantine the Great. And this way, she became the very first Russian woman ruler to ever have converted to Christianity. So Emperor Constantine was like, great, you're baptized. Now we can get married. But Olga told him, and if you don't understand this, I'll explain. How can you marry me after yourself baptizing me and calling me your daughter for among Christians that is unlawful as you yourself must know? So essentially what she's saying is because he baptized her, that's considered being born new. And in the eyes of the church, since he was the one that baptized her, he is considered her father. The emperor told her, he's like, you know what? You've outwitted me. Here is gold, silver, silk, and some vases. She took all of her fancy little prizes and presents, and she went home. Well, later, Constantine got in touch with her again and demanded that she send him slaves and furs in exchange for his gifts. I will, but only if you spend as much time in Kiev as I did in Constantinople. So she never had to pay anything for what she was given. She dealt with most of the administration. She also took care of the country while her son was in battle. She died on July 11th, 969, during the siege of Kiev. At the time, her son wanted to move his throne to the nearest town of Danube. Everything from like Greek olives to Czech horses to Russian furs were abundant there. But she begged him to stay with her until her death. And then he could go wherever he wanted to go. 
Olga died only three days later, and her son and grandsons obviously grieved for her. Later, her grandson, Vladimir the Great, converted all Kievan places to Christianity, and nowadays the Russian people hold Olga as their predecessor to the Orthodox religion. Before she died, Olga told her son to bury her without a pagan burial fest. Her son disapproved of her Christian tradition, but did as she wished because she was no longer a Viking. She was an Orthodox Christian. Olga was recognized as Saint Olga and is celebrated by both the Catholic and the Orthodox churches. She had absolutely no hesitation of protecting not only her people, but her family. And that she would go to such great lengths to avenge the death of someone she cared so much about is a testament of how far women in general will go for the people that they love. Yeah, like, she <laughs> uh, she was definitely, I mean, obviously even a better leader than her, her love. But yeah, I just think it's freaking badass, like, what she did. Absolutely. that one king. Because, I'm sorry, but, like, that's, like, so offensive. Like, how, and how did you really think that was going to work out, for real? Right? I still can't believe that she caught birds on fire and sent them back. Like, holy crap. Like, I never would have thought, okay, well, you know, you take birds from where their home is because they're immediately going to go back to where they came from. Mm-hmm. We're like, well, we lost, guys. Let's go home. <laughs> Nope. <laughs> not, her. Her. No, not her, no. She's going to catch every freaking bird on fire and throw them through the house. Yeah. I think it's safe to say she holds a grudge. Yeah, just, just a smidge. <laughs> not, not a lot, though. Um, I'd be like, well, that's enough for me. I'm just going to go cry now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but no, she took, it, she took it far. Well, I mean, I think everyone should get the message like, not to fuck with her. That's the thing. Is that like people, I mean, especially men, always underestimate women because we're supposed to be nurturing and emotional and all this and weaker. And I'm like, mm, there are plenty of women that will prove you wrong in a heartbeat. Like, right. Especially because like women used to rule a lot of their kingdoms. Like it wasn't ruled by a lot of men actually like as in historical wise like way back there's actually a lot of women that did it and then on top of that women used to be actual like warriors and everything and now and nowadays god forbid if we try to join the freaking navy seals i mean they might let us know i forget like i understand it's like a rough course and everything but don't say they'd be like oh you can't join like how about you just let them try at least let them try <laughs> like shut the fuck up and our pain tolerance so... is better so there's there's genuinely no excuse as to why any of us should be barred from doing anything in this life? Nope. We used not to be. And I'm not trying to like bring religion and stuff into this, but honestly, it actually does stem from Christianity. I'm saying okay, like newer Christianity. I'm not saying like as in Bible form or anything like that. I'm saying as in like the newer Christians, like they just, I, I don't know why they just, I think it's like in the... Like 18, 1900s is when they really started changing things. Mm -hmm. But which is sad because it really like took so much away from women. And I'm like, that's not how God wanted it. (laughs) (laughs) Do you remember when we were younger, how every time there was something heavy to lift, they wouldn't let us lift it? Mm -hmm. 
I've literally heard my entire life, no, you can't lift that because you're a woman and one day you might want to have kids and you could put too much stress on yourself and not be able to have children. Like, oh, that's not how that works. That's not now. Like, this is my uterus, and I determine what comes out of it. That's like, that just reminds me, like, they used to not let women ride on trains because they thought that their uterus would fall out. I know. And then, like, um, they used to not let women ride on planes because they thought that the G force from the plane would be too much for our brittle bones to handle. And it's like, you do realize when we birth a child that our hips literally break apart and then they go back together. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I don't I don't know why women get underestimated so much. Like, like literally, I, I just don't understand it. I don't like, either. We're, not only do we create life with our bodies, like, and actually grow life and also mm-hmm. feed. Like, we, we literally can give nutrients as well. Yep. But, like, we have higher pain tolerances and even though we might not look strong, half the time we are stronger. Like, I can remember when I used to work on the ambulance, I could almost outlift every single guy I worked with, except for, like, maybe five. Other than that, everyone else had to have lift assist, and yet yeah, I'm over here, like, doing it myself. And I'm like, bro, go get some gains. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't even go to the freaking gym, and I'm lifting more than you. How is this even possible? exactly like, you go to the gym what like i sit there i eat mcdonald's bitch like, <laughs> and i'm still lifting more than you uh but i think it's just because like women are actually naturally stronger mm-hmm. like, you know and I've, I've seen there was like a discussion online and they were talking like the human species is the only species on the planet that considers their females weak yeah literally every other species the woman is the badass the woman Mm -hmm. provides the woman protects the woman takes care of the man the woman can take care of herself like take take a look at lions Mm -hmm. the lioness does all the work the man just lays around and does nothing yep but somehow a woman can do the same thing and it's still considered weak yep I mean, you also have to, like, look at other females, too. Like, hey, for instance, the Black Widow. You sit there, you get her knocked up, and she's like, yep, I'm going to kill your ass now. And you're going to be nutrients for our child. Like, right? Holy <laughs> and, like, what was it? The anglerfish? I think that's what it is. The anglerfish, the females are gigantic. Mm, yeah. And, almost and every then single the males. Yeah, the males are really, really tiny. And when they mate, they get permanently fused together. And the male pretty much is only there to provide sperm. Like, she goes along her happy little day doing whatever she wants, whenever she wants. And he is only there attached to her for reproductive needs. (laughs) Yeah, I I, I don't understand the human species at all because... Like, they're so, like, I'm not saying, like, okay, I'm not even trying to, like, put men down. Because there are some wonderful men out there. Don't get me wrong. Like, Mm -hmm. so, what I'm saying, like, men, I'm talking about the very freaking womanizing, over-masculine. Brett, Chet, and Chad. That's. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. The jocks. The, the gym rats, the people who think anything over 120 pounds is considered obese. Mm-hmm. 
Oh yeah, and God forbid if you have a baby, you better go back to normal. Like, shut the fuck up. Did you see that video? Which one? It was on oh TikTok. wait, I think I, I think I know the one. He was like, if about. my kid, if my girl has a baby, and she still has baby weight, I'm telling her she has to get her ass back in the gym. I'm like, yeah, I hope her ass walks away from you. Fuck you. Yeah, she's gonna get Small a little workout in by walking away from your ass. Uh-huh. We're kicking your ass both. Actually. Drop 150 pounds instantly by breaking up with you. Yeah. Done. There you go. Lost my weight. Do you enjoy dancing while burning calories that you consume throughout the day? Well, you're in luck. My name's Stephanie, and I am a Dance to Fit instructor based out of Morgantown, West Virginia. I offer dance fitness classes, which are full body workouts. Um, I do it three times a month, every other Saturday, and one day during the week, typically 6.15 to 7.30. You can find me on Dance Fitness with Steph on Facebook to keep up on date with all of the events. Each class is $5 a person. Bring your friends and come and dance and have fun with us. We dance to Christian, hip-hop, pop, and even some country. There is something for everyone. We modify dance moves, so whether it's your first time or your hundredth time, your only competition is yourself. Welcome back. Okay. (laughs) We'll let you take off. Tell us about the four women who were robbed and later given what they deserve. So, I think I'm going to start off with the oldest one, which, um, just because... Now, I'm not saying I agree with what happened by any means, but she's still a badass. And the thing is, is that her stupid half-brother always gets credit in history books and she's never gotten any of it. And it's stupid because she's a fucking badass. Anyways, (laughs) we're going to talk about a Viking. Her name was um, Freitas. And I, listen here, I cannot pronounce her last name. But anyways, you've heard of Leif Erikson in her history books. This is his half-sister. Because, you know, Leif Erikson, he was also like a Viking. They set foot on North America like a good while before Christopher Columbus did. Which, if no one knows on this podcast by now, is that my nickname is Columbus because of Christopher Columbus. But not in the way that you think. Because uh, I, I don't really agree with anything that he's done. She she never invaded anybody's land or yeah. <laughs> I don't people. agree with it either. Um no. yeah, He's I'm an environmentalist called. and everything and we're called an indigenous group by any other name than what they are. Yeah, <laughs> like, exactly. Um and I'm very against the pipeline so, specifically yes. for that reason. Um yeah. So yeah, but like when she's driving, <laughs> she knows where she's going. So yeah, that's the point. Is that like <laughs> I've never gotten lost anywhere that I've ever driven. And I mean I've driven across this freaking country and have barely used a GPS in my life. And <laughs> I mean I just figure my way out. I like I don't know how, but yeah, so like I either sometimes get called Columbus or Compass. Because I literally just work like a GPS and I don't even have a paper map, nothing. I just I just figure this out in my head somehow. But going back to the story of Freitas. So she was, like I said, Leif Erickson's half-sister, of course, and she never gets any of this freaking credit. But anyways, so the story. She went with Leif Erickson and 
a few other you know Vikings to North America when they were trying to expand to other lands. The other Vikings, like these, you know, big burly warrior guys, were literally just getting slaughtered by I'm not sure what tribe or anything like that, but it was like you know Native Americans, Indigenous people, because it's their land, you know, like get the f off. <laughs> um, <laughs> But anyways, they were, like, getting slaughtered. Well, here, I guess, like, Leif Erikson actually got injured. Freitas, eight months pregnant, dude. Jumps off the ship. Was like, wow, I can fight better than you guys. Because they were, like, the, like, once, like, so many of the Vikings were getting killed and stuff and injured, they just started retreating. Like, they were, like, getting back on their ships and rowing back. And she's like, "Uh uh-uh, no, no, no. So she jumped off the ship, Lily grabbed a dead warrior's sword, and started going after the other, like, Native Americans or indigenous people. And Lily just started going after them. And she, now she wasn't killing any of them, though. She's really just trying to get them to back off so they would stop killing her people. Mm-hmm. And here, at first, they weren't retreating. She took off her shirt. Her tits were hanging out. And Lily started beating. <laughs> on her chest with her sword and going after them and towards them. And they literally retreated. I can imagine. <laughs> and I'm like, wow. Crazy half naked pregnant woman running at you with a sword. I'd retreat too. And yet there was literally these big burly Viking guys retreating and rowing back to Vinland. And, but you got this little eight month old pregnant person, like, being 10 times the warriors of these people. <laughs> so I think she's a total badass just for that, like as in the effort she put in. Again, I don't agree. For sure. The whole stealing, trying to steal land thing. She was a badass and obviously had yeah. more balls than the actual men <laughs> while carrying a child. <laughs> right? What's my mind? Which I think is so cool. Like her name is Freitas because. You know, of course, I have a tattoo of Freya on my right arm. I love Freya. I don't care if people don't agree with Nordic mythology. And I love the goddess Freya. Because she is a goddess of, like, fertility and war. And I just think it's so cool that this little badass Viking, her name was Freydis, which is so close to Freya. And not only was she a warrior, she was also eight months pregnant while doing this. So the next ones I'm going to go on to, I'm not sure exactly how to pronounce it. It's C-U-R-E-I. She was born in Warsaw. Eventually, and this was at a time, like this is like, because she was born in like 1867. So Warsaw was already like part of Poland dominated by Russia. In 1891, she went to Paris because she was like studying and everything. And she actually went to the University of Paris. That was, like, founded in 1914. But anyways, that's, like, years later, obviously. But she gained the Doctor of Science degree in 1903, following the tragic death of her husband in 1906, sadly. She was, like, top of the top. Because she actually went in for physics she became one of the first women to actually be a professor of the general physics and faculty of sciences. You know, she's a part of that till like she died. So, but anyways, what's really cool about this is that again, because women just really weren't, you know, 
I'm not saying that they weren't thought to be smart, but like everyone like seemed to always underestimate women and like they weren't even allowed to go to college half the time. And this is like back in the late 1800s. So it was really not a common thing that when women went to school, sadly. But anyways, and she were that's just like pretty much how, like how she met her husband and everything as well is like the science program she was in and like the physics. Anyways, so her and her husband like started like a lot of stuff in the laboratory and everything. Her husband was head of the physics laboratory of the Sorbonne. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's how she also gained her doctorate in a science degree as well. So she ended up, like I said, became like the actual first member in this whole thing during her like research and everything. She's like the one that actually found like radium and stuff like that. So then this is like what they used to do a lot of therapies like for cancer and stuff, which I think is really cool. I'm not saying like someone else wouldn't have discovered it, but like with all her hard work, like we discovered it a lot sooner. The next two people that I have, which I think this one's really cool, is Hetty Lamar. She was the epitome of both beauty and brains, but unfortunately, the Australian-born American movie star never truly got the recognition she deserved. Per Women's History website, she was born in Vienna, Austria on November 9th, 1914 and went into the film industry at the ripe age of 16. While there, she met the inventor and renowned Howard Hughes, someone who would prove to be a catalyst for her passion to invent. However, after meeting a composer named George Antheol, fuck him, investing (laughs) (laughs) investing the system that would form the basis for today's Wi-Fi, GPS, Bluetooth systems. It was called frequency hopping. So literally, she is the one that freaking found this out and of course he took the freaking credit up until 2007 so literally if it was not for hetty we would not have wi-fi wi-fi jesus <laughs> christ wi-fi gps and bluetooth because of and like other things probably too because it was frequency hopping yeah, I mean, we use frequencies for a lot of things like radios and everything. So, I mean, we're using frequencies right now, making this yep. recording. I was just thinking that we wouldn't be able to do this podcast. Nobody would be able no. to listen. So, you can really thank Hedy Lamar for that. And then, so my last one is Augusta King. Guess what she did? She was the first computer programmer. In 1833 is like whenever she finally started advancing. Anyways, I'm just going to read this little tidbit real quick. So early on, King received private tutoring, but later on went into the study of advanced mathematics at the hands of mathematician, logician Augustus D. Morgan. It wasn't until she met Charles Babbage, known as the father of computer, according to QMath. In 1833 is when things really started changing for her. So I'm pretty sure it was like her husband or something. They were working on something and she decided to do coding. At first they looked at her strange like, what are you talking about? She ended up doing the coding part and she actually created the first algorithm for machines so which is pretty awesome because if it wasn't for her we wouldn't have laptops tablets and cell phones for august the king we would not be working on our computers or our cell phones or anything like that if it wasn't for hetty we would not have wi-fi 
or any of this frequency hopping that we have. So I think those two women. I mean, I have two more. Okay. I mean, technically only one, but the other one I'm just going to like touch a little bit on. And -hmm. if you guys would like to hear more about the two women I'm about to speak about, type in puppet history, just female spy and first female detective, and they will tell you all about these women. The one I'm just going to touch a little bit here and there on is Policarpa Salavaretta. They nicknamed her La Pola. She was a seamstress who actually spied for the revolutionary forces. She was captured by Spanish royalists and ultimately executed for high treason. But she is uh, considered a heroine of the independence of Colombia. I guess that you can look up more online about her, but mm-hmm. she was a teenager when this was going on. Oh. She was like 15, 16 years old, and she was spying uh, as a seamstress and was learning all of these secrets and then passing them along to everyone else. <laughs> that's awesome. Like, that's like the best incognito thing to do. It's like, oh, uniform tour, let me just sew this for you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and because, like, she's 16 years old, no one's thinking, like, oh, and you gotta consider the times, like, this is 18-something. Women were considered dumb and useless, and let's talk about how we're planning on doing this, this, and that in front of her. Yeah. She's not gonna do anything about it. Well, yeah, because, like, back then, like, you weren't even allowed to read. And that's why I was saying, like, like the woman that I also mentioned, it's like, it just wasn't heard of them going to college and stuff because you weren't even allowed to read. That brings me to Kate Warren, who, in all honesty, is one of my favorite women in history. Was born of the 19th century. You know, sexism everywhere. Not that today is any different, but I feel like it was a little heavier back then. So no one expected that this pretty Southern Belle mingling in with the Alabama social circles was actually a private eye hunting for a master embezzler. For those who don't know who she worked for, she worked for the Pinkerton brothers, which is one of the biggest detective agencies at the time. I mean, there's are a ton of films dedicated to them. So the Pinkerton's national detective agency actually adopted her slogan and it is we never sleep at this time you know female detectives were pretty much unheard of and pinkerton even wrote in one of his many many memoirs that he told her that it was not custom to employ women as detectives but he asked her anyway what she thought she was able to do and warren told pinkerton that she could go And worm out many secrets and places which it was impossible for male detectives to gain access to. And she was only 23 when this happened. So he wrote in his memoir that it was true. And it was the first experiment of the sort that had ever been tried. But he believed in living in a progressive age and in a progressive country. So not long after he hired her, he dispatched Warren to Montgomery, Alabama, to befriend the wife of a man suspected in a $50,000 robbery. So that's about $1.5 million today of what was called the uh, Adam Express Company. Warren made herself at home in Alabama 
befriended the wife and got a confession and even found the buried cash. Pinkerton wrote not too long after that she succeeded far beyond their utmost expectations and found her invaluable and perfect to his force. Wow. She Mm -hmm. actually uncovered various plots to kill Abraham Lincoln. What? Yeah, now this is like way before... He's not even president yet. This is way before. She went and told Pinkerton, and Pinkerton told Lincoln that he was being targeted for an assassination. Pinkerton tried to persuade Lincoln to cancel all his stops, especially the one in Baltimore, but Lincoln insisted on keeping his schedule, which included like dinners and speeches and a flag raising over Independence Hall in Philadelphia. The man who called himself Lincoln's bodyguard, whose name was Ward Hill Lamon, tried to give the president a revolver and a Bowie knife for protection, and Pinkerton was horrified and just wouldn't have it. Lincoln's future Secretary of State, William Seward, heard about the Baltimore plot elsewhere and then came to Lincoln and like per- urged him to believe it. He finally listened to Pinkerton and dis- he decided that instead of like canceling everything he was just going to be escorted to the places he needed to go so he wore a, a large long overcoat a soft hat and a shawl over his shoulders in her report about that night she started filing her name as MB for Mrs. Barley hmm. she made up like little names every Every case she got, she got a different name. Yeah. So Warren described how she bought four tickets to Philadelphia for a sleeping berth to Washington via Baltimore and set out ahead of time to secure them. Uh, And sleeping berths are pretty much like the trains, but they've got beds in them, you know? Oh, okay. Got you. These sleeping berths were unlike anything she'd seen before they weren't reserved by ticket but rather first come first serve or otherwise like a free-for-all so she tipped the conductor a half dollar to keep before she had selected unoccupied while she waited for pinkerton lamon and lincoln she even began to write telling in her stories that the president was friendly even though she was he was surprised that a woman rather than a cavalry squad, would whisk him through Baltimore. Her description of the president in her report was not so generous, though. Mr. Lincoln is very homely and so very tall that he could not lay straight on his berth, she wrote. She stayed awake by Lincoln's side the entire night, and Lincoln was safely delivered to Washington. Telegraphs from Pinkerton, known as Plums, confirmed the success. Plum... (laughs) (laughs) this is funny plums has nuts (laughs) which (laughs) that's his name no wait what he sent telegraphs but they had to like disguise it oh so that if anybody got a hold of it they don't know what they'd be talking about i see so all the telegraph said was plums has nuts (laughs) oh essentially it was you know, when you translate it, it is um, Lincoln has made it safely. Got you. That's essentially what it means, but just like <laughs> plums has nuts. 
you know, Warren inspired Pinkerton to hire even more female detectives, making Warren the superintendent of all of them. And during the Civil War, Pinkerton and Warren actually went undercover in the Southern Society, posing as a party couple and gathering intelligence for the Union. After the war, Warren continued her adventures, going undercover as a fortune teller or befriending a murder suspect's wife to solve cases and make headlines. She died in 1868 of pneumonia, and she's actually buried in the Pinkerton family plot. Her name is misspelled on her tombstone as W-A-R-N instead of W-A-R-N-E. And she is either 34 or 35. Her birth month is actually unknown. Wow. First lady detective who also saved the life of the president. Yeah, that is pretty fucking badass. I really want to know why did they not have better birth records back then? <laughs> like, I, mean, I guess because everyone had them at their houses. But still. But still, like, usually there's like a family Bible they pass down yeah teenager i just mentioned that was a spy yeah they actually don't have her name like way back then the only reason they called her what they called her Mm -hmm. is because it was a nickname that her family gave her her actual name is not written anywhere wow so that has been you know what five five or six really badass women Mm -hmm. in history no i think I think seven because you did three and I did four so yeah so seven you know if it weren't for these women a lot of things we have now would not exist like we wouldn't have female detectives we wouldn't have internet you know um wouldn't have computers that work the way they do Um, Kiev probably would have fallen yeah and we wouldn't have Ukraine and Russia as we know today. Yep. And it's kind of seeming like almost like history is repeating itself at the moment. Multiple times, actually, because this is not the first time that Ukraine's been through this. Yes. Like, it's been through this, like, multiple times. And I'm like, you know what? How about you guys just back the fuck off by now? Yeah. (laughs) They're fine. I mean, you know you fucked up when... After, like, 60-some years of being neutral, Switzerland says fuck you and joins Ukraine. So, I mean... You know it's extra fucked up when the Taliban's like, hey, guys, you should probably really calm this down. (laughs) Right? Like, what? What? Speaking of all of that overseas, now's a good time to donate. Donate your money so they get you know, clean water, mm-hmm. they get shelter, they get food. Like, just because it isn't happening here doesn't mean it isn't happening. You just gotta think about it. It's like, what if you were in that, like, in that situation? Like, you would want someone's help. And here in America, we are very, I'm not saying everyone's privileged, like, no one has a hard life when I say this. But literally, like, we're not hiding from bombs right now. We get to go lay down yeah. at night we, yeah. and not hear explosions. Yep. We also, um, we can really post whatever we want on social media without getting any backlash. We wake up every morning, put our feet on the floor. Yep. We go to work. 
a relatively normal day. Mm-hmm. We're not running from our lives. We're not packing up everything we can to put on our back to leave the only home we've ever known. Yep. And they they desperately need help. And like literally, there are semi outlets you can donate through. Like PayPal has something going on. Amazon has something going on. Like literally, if you go to any of your apps, almost any app that you have, they all have somewhere where you could donate to something towards Ukraine right now. So like. PayPal, if you go through your app, it's like right in purple at the top. It says Ukraine crisis, and you can put any amount in there that you want to do. It has a few different things to do, like direct relief, save the children, um, United States Association for um, UNHCR, which is the International Human Services, uh, UNICEF USA International, Doctors Without Borders, which is an amazing organization. It's literally like most of these doctors and nurses, paramedics are going over there. Half the time are volunteers. Like they, half the time they don't even get paid to go over there and do this. And they're literally right. risking their lives to give medical support to ones that mm-hmm. need it. Um, there's also like the International Medical Corps that you could donate to. And if you go on Amazon, if you're like on the website, it's also like at the top, like where it lists like all Amazon Basics, Prime, Customer Service, Buy Again, all that. It's right. It has a little like Ukraine flag even. So you cannot miss it. It says donate now. So if you guys are Amazon users and if, I mean, there's, there's a lot of other resources that you could do to donate. Um, I'm pretty sure Facebook's doing a thing as well. So don't go to some third party app. Yeah. Don't donate on TikTok. Like as much as I yeah, want you to it, like do as much as I want you to donate, like don't donate on TikTok. There are so many no. people I've seen on TikTok make these videos or mm-hmm. loop videos from YouTube that people have uploaded and yeah. they've added crying sounds and war sounds. And it's just, they're trying to get attention. They're trying to get clout where they have none. Mm-hmm. And just so you directly donate to their websites or, you know, click the link on websites you know are official but i think even airbnb is now doing an actual thing to donate to ukraine so the airbnb thing um so you can either book a home in airbnb in ukraine right now of course it's not gonna be you're not gonna be staying there obviously um right but it does go towards like whoever you're booking it through and obviously they live in ukraine so you're yeah. helping that person out and what and most of those people are banding together like i don't really think you have to worry about a, a ukrainian person like taking the money like and even if it is for themselves like they obviously need it like they don't have a freaking home right now airbnb is doing something right now that like if you can actually um like when you go to you'll technically go to a booking like where you're gonna like book a Airbnb suite or something or like a house, but it actually gets donated to so like even refugees are saying like in Poland and stuff like that or like Romania, all those you know bordering countries, and you actually get to you know pay for housing for any of the refugees that are coming into those countries. So it just gives them a little bit of support where they actually have like a nice place to lay their head at night. You know, that's safe. And 
Like, they're just going through a lot. So, even the ones that are making out of Ukraine right now, like, where are they going after that? Like, yeah, they're getting help, but, like, they didn't have much time to prepare. They literally got, like, what they could in a backpack, and they're literally carrying their pets and children. And, like, to make things clearer for those who live in the United States, if Russia were decided to, like, turn on us, they're literally just 55 miles from Alaska. That's 55 miles. You know, it, it's very close to home. Yeah. And it's something that we do need to be more aware about, more willing to help. Because at any point in time, it could be us that needs the help. Yep. Like I said earlier, like, you just need to, just for, like for a moment, like, get out of your own bubble. And, like, really think about, like, like you could be in that situation. And how hard yeah. it would be. And you would want help. And, like, I, mean, I just, I can't even begin to imagine, like, what all those people are feeling right now and going through. I just, I can't even fathom it. And it just, just breaks my heart constantly. Because, like, mm -hmm. I'm so far away. Like, what the heck can I do other than donate? Which is good to donate. Don't get me wrong. I've already donated. But, like, I just wish I could do something more. And, like, this is, like, when I was, when I was an EMT before and working on the ambulance, like, one of my biggest dreams was to always volunteer without, like, through, like, Doctors Without Borders as a paramedic or other organizations like that. But, like, obviously, I don't work emergency services anymore. But it's hard to sit back and do nothing. It is. When all you want to do is help. It would only take seven hours to fly from Alaska to Russia. Yeah, that's not that far. Mm -mm. Donate. Pray for them. Send good vibes, whatever you do. I'm also trying to look at which. So, like by next week, I'll if if this is okay, I'm gonna add like where you could actually donate to like also like animal sanctuaries because there's a lot of people that have rescues over there that have chose to stay simply because of the animals and they're literally taking over like taking care of over well over 300 to like 500 animals they have really had to move all these animals into like basements and like bomb bunkers and so everyone's no. underground right now and taking care of them and like all the animals are terrified because especially animals like they don't know what the heck's going on right now and you know i mean they could have fled but they just like well we can't leave them behind but uh next week I will get a list together of how you can donate different areas to Ukraine, however you see fit that fits what you want, either if it's children, food, humanitarian aid, animals, all of that. I will get you some links to those more than just Definitely. saying, like, hey, PayPal and Amazon. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. Um, and you know what? We'll, uh, we can post those to our Facebook page. Yeah. If you guys have Facebook, that is facebook.com slash podcast. It'll take you right to our page. You can let links in the uh, description and we'll uh, even make a little post and we'll pin it to the top of the page so you guys can see it. But I think that is it for this episode. Yeah. You can join us next week with our true crime episode hopefully all three of us will be on that one 
uh, tried to make it happen today and it didn't happen. It will eventually happen though. <laughs> I'm yeah. bound and determined to make it happen. <laughs> so um, that is it. All right. Peace out guys. Bye. Thank you.